TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Happy, gloomy Monday. Um, Some of my favorite memes that I saw over the weekend were, we're going to get Nick Bender on coming up at 1015. Hopefully he's not listening yet. All due respect to our meteorologists, who are very well educated and very well trained and forecasting is hard. But it was really funny to see over the weekend some of the images of like the snow, we might get zero, we might get 75 inches. Right, isn't it It might be Monday, it might be in three weeks. Somewhere between nothing and a yard and a half is how much snow we're gonna get, right? Yes, Uh. Um, so we'll find out for sure uh, coming up from Dick Bender, coming up at 1015. The last I had seen from him was that it was two to five inches is what we're expecting for Kansas City. You will get more if you're farther north. Mm-hmm. That's that's typical. Um, and it, like most things, it's just going to depend on temperature. Right. Well, and, and that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. We're supposed to get a little bit of snow throughout the day today, but it's not going to stick because the temperature is too high. So at the surface, as soon as the snow hits the ground, it's going to melt. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll check in with him and let him uh, teach us uh, all about what's going to happen this week. Speaking of teaching us, I did not know what a door plug was <laughs> until this weekend. Yeah. I had to look it up. I'd never heard the term before. And if you are also wondering why do they keep calling it a plug on the 737 MAX 9 that lost theirs midair, it's, um, it looks like a door, but it goes in place of where they could eventually put an emergency door if they want to. Why they don't just call it a door, I don't know. But it's a plug because it fills the space. Right, right. And, and you can see those in the outline on the outside of the airplane a lot. Um, I think the 737 MAX 9 has a maximum of it's five rows of doors, but you don't need all of those. And normally right. what they do is they'll have one at the front of the plane, one at the back of the plane, and then they'll just plug all the other ones up with those plugs. Initially, it was reported that it lost a window. And then we saw pictures of it and went, no, that's a lot bigger than a window. <laughs> it yeah. had a window in it. But, yeah, that's what uh, that's what went south. And we're learning a lot more about that plane and the problems that it was having even before this dramatic thing. I mean, it's amazing to me that nobody lost a life in this. Yeah, one of the things they said was, um, thank goodness everybody was wearing their seatbelts. The row that um, – the I'm going to call it a door. It's just easier. But the, the row that the plug fell out of – the two seats closest to it were unoccupied. Thank goodness. Yeah. But everybody had their seatbelts on, and it really stressed the importance of wearing your seatbelt and leaving your seatbelt on when they tell you to, or people would have been sucked out of that hole. Easily. Yeah, we've seen it happen before. There was this uh, the flight attendant who was sucked out of the plane at the Aloha Airlines flight years mm-hmm. ago when a hole blew into the side of that, and nobody could save her. So it it easily could have ended in in tragedy. I guess they had just leveled off, right? They they were barely into level flight when that happened. So it was still just after the climb. So, yeah, like you said, everybody still had their seatbelts on. What's terrifying to me is that they said 
flight attendants came over to help people who were near the hole move away from it. Imagine those few seconds. I can't. I I just, because that's your job as the flight attendant is to keep everything safe, keep everyone safe. And if you walk in front of it, which they would have had to have in order to move people, I would imagine you're just gripping seats the, the most that you can. Um, I want to point one thing out really quickly for those of you who are wondering about, uh, hey, I'm supposed to fly soon. Check and see what plane, because you can look. It, it, if you look at your ticket, it'll tell you, or you can just look online. Check and see what plane you're supposed to be flying um, because they've been grounded. The 737, is it Max 9 or 9 Max? Max 9. And okay. yeah, United grounded. United uses a lot of them. Alaska Airlines uses a lot of them. The Max Eights are still in service the, yeah. after all the problems they have with those. Yep. But the the Max Nine is, a, as I understand, it, is a fairly new aircraft. So there's not many of them out there outside of United and Alaska Air. Those are the only two major U.S. airlines that use them. Um, Southwest wasn't in the list. Copa Airlines, which is out of South America, is on the list. But those are the two major U.S. airlines that use them. It only affects 170 planes worldwide. To John's point, there's not a lot of them in service, but they've been grounded. And it's a lot of those two airlines, particularly Alaska Airlines, it's a lot of their schedules. It's like 20% of their schedules so far has had to be just canceled because of those planes. Take a look and see, and this is where it wouldn't hurt to look at your options. Here's what I don't understand is that I would think that any mechanical failure on an airplane, on a particular airplane, would be enough to ground it. And what we're now learning about this plane is that before that door plug blew out, there were three previous flights where a warning light went off for the pilots, and it was a depressurization warning light. So the plane didn't fully depressurize. It didn't drop the masks, but that light went on. How about if that light goes on, we don't fly that plane again until we get it fixed? Yeah, and what was the other part about, um, okay, here it is. Um, I want to keep clear of the MAX 8 and the MAX 9. I don't have it in front of me, but the part about how they were told not to fly it over water. Yes. For that reason. Because they have flights to Hawaii. And they took that plane out of that route circulation because they didn't want it out over the Pacific and all of a sudden have something catastrophic happen. Not that you want it to happen over land either, but it would just be easier to get back to an airport. Isn't Portland also where we had the guy on board the flight that tried to get into the cockpit? Recently? Recently. Uh, Remember that? Be. The guy was on the, the, the pilot that went, that like went a little delusional on the flight and tried to get into the oh. cockpit and tried to land the plane. Yes. I think that was also Portland. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm almost, I'm almost certain. Um, and and of course, I mean, going all the way back to the early '70s, the uh, the DB Cooper case was that was SeaTac, that was Seattle Tacoma, but yeah. again, Pacific Northwest, all kind of weirdness coming out of there. Uh, real quick, let's talk about. Well, I'm sure we'll come back to this, but let's talk about the cockpit voice recorder. Here's what I'm imagining: Is it like a cassette tape that you just put into a cassette deck? And is and I, and I only half joke. Because the reason we don't have any information out of it is because it's been recorded over, which is apparently something that can be done. Yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out why you're able to do that. It almost sounds like, and I don't want to get conspiratorial on this, but I've never heard of that happening before where the tape gets taped over. I mean, it, it wouldn't that be something you would have to do on purpose? And not on your own. Yeah, because it seems like the kind of thing that if you said something you shouldn't have, if you made a mistake as a pilot, 
you know that cockpit voice recorder is there. I don't want you to have any access to it. Right. To be able to delete evidence. Yeah, and, and normally they don't. I mean, it's it's buried deep in the plane. It's not like it's something that's accessible even to the pilots. So whether it was the airline that did it or some kind of tech, something happened and it erased that tape, which is just, I mean, it's the worst possible thing that you could have as a result of all of this because you're never going to learn anything about it. Not only does it record the voices, that also records all of the avionics. So anything that happened on that plane that would have possibly given some kind of warning or even just added information about how that all went down is gone. So we'll come back to this. We need to get to Nick Bender coming up here in a few minutes, but I'm, I'm certain that we'll hear more about this today. Uh, the NTSB and the FAA will no doubt have more to say about it as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll come back to this a little bit later in the show. All right. How much snow, where, and when? We'll get to Nick Bender coming up here on KMBZ. We're starting off with a gray day here. The snow is on the way uh, and a lot, depending on where you are, potentially. Uh, let's see what we're in for. Nick Bender joins us from KNBC Channel 9 to do a little talking about the weather. Nick, it's cold already. How much worse is it going to get? You want to start with the cold or you want to start with the snow? <laughs> let's, start with the, <laughs> let's start with the cold. We'll build up to the snow. Are, is, are the temperatures going to be brutal tomorrow? You know, it's going to get colder tomorrow, but I'm glad you chose to start with the snow because the temperatures are really going to determine the type of precipitation that we see here in Kansas City, like like they always do. But the, the key takeaway for today in the metro all the way through this evening is that the surface temperatures and then the temperatures of the air about 1,000 feet above the ground, they're going to be above freezing. So it, it's going to be really hard to get the kind of snow that's going to stick to the the streets and the sidewalks and the parking lots and accumulate here in the metro and cause icy and snowy roads through the day. Now, aloft, it is cold enough for snow, but then that snow has to make it through that layer of air that's above freezing, and there's going to be a lot of melting that takes place. So the snow that you do see today, it's probably going to be big, wet snowflakes that melt easily, so you need to start thinking more about the grass and less about the concrete through the day. Now, that's here in Kansas City. It's a completely different setup across northern and northeastern Missouri. Why don't you talk about that uh, for listeners that we have that are out that direction? Well, that, that's going to be in an area that's under a winter storm warning. So their surface temperatures are going to be low enough, pretty close to 32 degrees, for that snow to stick to the roads. And that could begin late this morning into early this afternoon. And the snowfall rates there could be about an inch to two inches per hour in some areas. So it's going to start to stack up through the afternoon and the evening along and north of 36 Highway, you know, give or take a county to the north or south. So that's going to be along and north of a line from about Atchison, St. Joe, Cameron, and Chillicothe. You know, that's the area that's going to receive the most snow out of this snowstorm all the way through tomorrow afternoon. You know, snowfall amounts in that part of the state's going to be 6 to 12 inches. So north of uh, St. Joseph on I-29, or north of you know, Chillicothe, uh, or north there of uh, 36 Highway on Interstate 35, that, that's going to be, Cameron, that's going to be some pretty rough travel uh, for tomorrow morning. I know we've got a lot to talk about with the wind tomorrow as well, but before we get to that, let's talk about tonight into the overnight hours and into early on Tuesday. At what point are we expecting the temperature to drop here in Kansas City enough that we might start to see accumulation happen? Probably going to take until after midnight, uh, probably not until tomorrow morning at some time, you know, between 3 and 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. 
uh, where that surface temperature will drop low enough that we have the risk of snow sticking uh, onto the streets and the concrete. Now, the caveat is, is if it snows heavy enough today, if we do manage to kind of overcome that warm layer of air and it can snow heavy enough, you might start to see some accumulations on the street, but it's going to have to really kick an overdrive uh, to do that. So it most likely won't do that until uh, the pre-dawn hours uh, of Tuesday as that storm, this, that calm ahead of the storm comes through with the wind. Now, something else of note is that a dry slot, which is basically a zone of dry air, it just doesn't have the moisture necessary to create precipitation, that's going to wrap in on the, the southwest side of this storm, and it's going to punch up as far north as I-70 in Kansas City this evening through about midnight. So it might stop raining or snowing if it does change over for several hours this evening here in Kansas City. You almost get a freezing drizzle, but it will continue to snow and accumulate north of I-70 up around 36 Highway. Now, once that dry slot moves out tomorrow morning, that calm ahead of snow comes through, not only is it all going to change over to snow, but the other thing you mentioned, the wind's going to pick up 40 to 50 miles an hour, and that's going to be a big problem. I want to talk about um, what we might see for road conditions here for a second. I know that crews were going to wait until after this morning's rain came through to treat roads so that way the rain didn't immediately wash it off. The question we always have is when you talk about the temperature um, dropping overnight and then whatever we had becomes, you mentioned freezing rain, becomes ice on the roads. And then that's what people wake up to in the morning. What are we looking at? You know, the good news is, is we're going to leach some of the warmth of today over into tomorrow. Uh, so those ground temperatures, the road temperatures, they are going to drop below 32, but you know, they more than likely stay above that 27, 28 degree range for the duration of this event. And that's a magic number. You know, liquid just freezes more easily and more solid, if you will, with, with temperatures once they get down and below 30 or down and below 28 degrees. That's like a magic number that always sticks out in my head, especially for freezing rain events. I don't think we quite get there during the height of this storm, if you will, when, when most of the moisture is falling out of the clouds, whether that be rain or whether that be snow. So, so that we have that going for us, uh, that the, the product that MoDOT and KDOT and the private sector will put out, you know, once we get that dry slot in here this evening, that'll be a great opportunity for them to be able to do that without a, a high risk of it really washing all off the roads. I, I think it's going to be really effective, you know, with temperatures staying above 28 degrees. Typically, we don't really have those problems until you start getting down in the teens and below zero. And that is on the way for next weekend. So we're going to be looking at bridges and overpasses maybe during the overnight hours that you still have to be careful of. Yeah, bridges, overpasses. And, you know, I, I would not be surprised if, you know, we do get, you know, some of the streets in the interstates, you know, covered up with a layer of snow tomorrow. I think this morning our, the forecast was between two and five inches of snow. And I know that's a big range, but that's just the way that this storm is setting up, especially with that dry slot, the nose of it being here in Kansas City. Then once you get on the north side of the dry slot, you get into the really heavy snow. So we're talking about a one to two county shift north or south, and you go from that six to 12 inches of snow down to two to five inches of snow. So that's why there's that big range. And that, that's the entire metro. That could be Olathe, that could be Grandview, that could be Liberty. Um, but I, I'm still leaning toward the farther north you go, the more likely it is that you're going to have snow-covered roads and then eventually snow-packed roads. The area of uncertainty is 
kind of between I-70 and 36 Highway. Gotcha. We just got a text in, as a matter of fact, from one of our listeners in Topeka who said that big wet flakes have been coming down heavily since about 945, so about 45 minutes ago. At what point tomorrow can we call ourselves clear of this? When are we going to see the, the last of the storm clear out of Kansas City? Might be around lunchtime. You know, storms like this sometimes really have a tendency to get up and go. You know, they tend to move out a lot faster than what the computer models show. So late morning, early afternoon for Kansas City, but it's going to stay windy through the whole day. So there, there could be some areas of blowing snow. The fact that the snow is just going to be, you know, so chock full of moisture, it's going to be really wet snow. It might not blow around as easily, but still, you know, with 40 to 50 mile an hour wind gusts, you got to imagine there's going to be some some whipping snow tomorrow morning. You know, it might be light to moderate snow, but when you throw that wind in there, and it, it could certainly look pretty gnarly. You've convinced me. I'm staying inside. Nick, Nick Bender. <laughs> me too. too. <laughs> <laughs> Going to be a busy day, I, I know, for you. And thank you so much for carving some time out of it to spend here with us on the program. Y'all are so welcome. Be safe uh, through tonight to tomorrow, and we'll have all of our meteorologists in-house you know, all the way through tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. You got it, my friend. Thanks, we'll be watching Nick. for you on KMBC Channel 9. Appreciate it. Um, John, did you go to the grocery store? No, we had it. We had it delivered. <laughs> I was out of town all weekend. So, uh, I, yeah, I just got back yesterday afternoon, but we had uh, we had a high V aisles delivery yesterday. So <laughs> we're all good. Here's what I do not understand is, um, I, you know, you're looking at tweets and I, I didn't go to the grocery store all weekend. It's it's <clears throat> I, frankly. A few inches of snow. Be careful on the roads. That doesn't scare me, though. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not going to keep me inside. It, the wind will keep me inside. You know, the cold will keep me inside, but snow won't do it. I'll go to the grocery store when I need stuff. Why are we buying frozen chickens and... <laughs> and Bread, eggs, and milk. It's, it's French toast and weather. And toilet paper. Yep. And why are we afraid that... F- I don't know how much snow it would take for me to feel like... I got to be ready to not leave my house for a few days. Well, that's the thing is we always, right. We always prepare for this as though we're going to be stuck in the house for three days. We're not going to be stuck in the house for three days. You know, I mean, listen to what Nick said by lunchtime tomorrow, it's all going to be gone. And and then it's just a matter of getting it off the roads. It's going to be fine. But why don't we think with logic like that? When, why were grocery stores busier? I had friends that went yesterday, like before the chiefs game. Why? Why were the stores busier than usual yesterday of people feeling like they needed necessities? <laughs> yes. Just in case. I, I wish I could answer that. I mean, uh, yeah, even Brian Locke, our, our morning show producer, I was watching their thread this morning, and he said he went out to the grocery store this morning and was giving the report on on how busy things were. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it, it's the one thing that we can control. Right. We can't control the weather, but we can control how prepared we are for it in the event that it all goes crazy. But this isn't going to be that. I am more concerned about like double checking what's in my car. I'm more concerned that something's going to happen to me while I'm out and I'm going to slide on ice or something. I need to double check. You know, do I have is, is everything there? that I would need. And I don't have a blanket. I mean, I don't, I don't have any of that stuff. So I'll double check that when I leave this afternoon and go do stuff like I normally would. But I always worry because my car is really low to the ground. I worry about getting stuck more than I do anything. But even that hasn't happened in a really long time. No, I did see, I mean, the, the last time that it snowed here just a few days ago, there were a couple of slide offs, you know, people sliding mm-hmm. off the roads and into the ditches and things like that. But and that wasn't even that much snow. That's my main worry. And that's why I try as, as hard as I can when something like this is coming through to just stay home. 
Which, yeah. And again, when it's windy and cold, you don't want to go out anyway. Right. So be careful. We'll keep you updated. Um, and please let us know. 913-586-6798. Either call or text. As you're noticing today, you are obviously out in parts of the area that we're not. So let us know what you're seeing if you can do it safely. The soap opera that is the location of the Kansas City Royals and the Kansas City Chiefs. I know. I know. <laughs> like, what can I what can I throw against a wall and what can I run my forehead into? Uh, continues. There's a meeting today with the Jackson County Legislature. There were some statements that came out on Friday. We'll talk about that coming up next on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T Mobile. You can count on T Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. You said it's just now starting to come down? Yeah, it literally just over the last couple of minutes, right after we uh, said goodbye to Nick Bender, it started to come down. And it's already fairly heavy, although to his point, it's hitting the window glass and immediately melting. There's nothing. Usually I can tell pretty easily. I mean, it's cloudy enough. That you can see. It's wet. Yeah. It's raining, but that's that's all we've got so far. Yeah, it's it's just it's those heavy, wet flakes like he was talking about. And uh, yeah, they're hitting the window. They're splatting against the window. And then it just looks like rain, but it is snow that's coming down. So fun. Wow. Here we go. Okay, let me look and see what Manny Abarca has on Twitter that's the latest about, because there was a tweet this morning, and I just want to make sure I get it correct. Um, Gosh. As we further get further into the question of where the Royals are going to go, yes, this was... uh, this was yesterday at this time he tweeted this, uh, Jackson County legislator. Uh, Frank White wants a billion dollars more in his budget to further increase your property taxes and increase his own office budget. It's the only significant properties he proposed. This isn't going to make a lot of sense. He was responding to um, money being offered for the lease. And so he's going back and forth about money that Frank White wants. What we learned over the weekend... Uh, we knew there was going to be an announcement on Friday afternoon, and there was, and we'll talk about that. And then there was a Clay County commissioner who tweeted about what may or may not be happening in Clay County. Yeah, it's, I mean, the the way that all of this continues to shake out, it, it still doesn't, there's nothing solid. That's the thing that's maddening about this entire thing is that the Chiefs and the Royals came out with that joint statement on Friday and said, we're committed, we're staying in Jackson County as as long as the three eight cents uh, sales tax extension happens. And again, keep in mind, this is not a new three eighths of a cent. This is the same one you're already paying and they're just extending it another 40 years. And they said, as long as that happens, we'll stay here. And then all of a sudden we start hearing that, that uh, you know, Clay County is obviously grousing about this. And then some intimations are starting to come out from insiders about how where the Royals are really looking is the Casey Star building, that that's back in the mix. And I, I, it's just so incredibly hard to keep track of. But now the mayor this morning and uh, the county executive both said, yeah, okay, I mean, we're committed to keeping the teams here, but we're not going to give away the store to do it. Well, okay, this is either a done deal or it isn't. And so today is the Jackson County Legislature meets, right? 
And remind me what they're doing today. Uh, today is, uh, well, I, I would imagine they're going to discuss everything that happened over the last okay. three days uh, and try to figure out where to go from here. What they have to do is if that three eight cents sales tax measure is going to go to the voters in Jackson County, they have till the 23rd of January. That's the deadline to get it on the ballot. If they don't do that, if they miss that deadline, it doesn't go on the ballot. There's no vote. Okay. Um, so... A couple things that we can talk about here. And if you have thoughts, frustrations, preferences, reactions to what you've heard, feel free to uh, give us a call and let us know. So there's a joint statement from the Royals and the Chiefs that came out on Friday uh, where they commit more than $200 million in economic benefits to Jackson County as part of a path path forward. Um, They're saying uh, if the voters approve an extension of the three eight cent sales tax. Uh, let's see, who is this? Jason Whitting- uh, Withington, who is a Clay County commissioner, tweeted out uh, Friday afternoon, the Royals call both Clay County and North Kansas City this morning to let us know they have put all the chips in on the KC Star building. Apparently, KCMO has made the team a sizable offer and is willing to backstop the bonds, but not all KCMO council members have been briefed. Uh, Clay County was adamant that we would not backstop the bonds, that we wouldn't give them a full 1% sales tax, and we wouldn't do 40 years. Yeah. So all of that were the reasons why they decided to recommit to Jackson County. Of course, that all depends on the extension. So uh, that, yeah, that uh, it was interesting because we had been told several times we're down to two sites. It was the uh, the east side of downtown or, or North Kansas City. North Kansas City is now officially out of the mix but but how are we back to the KC Star Building? I thought the owner of the KC Star Building tweeted, was it a month or two ago? We're not selling. Yeah. And I thought they reiterated that recently. We're not selling. So either he got his sights screwy, which is possible. I mean, it may just have been a mistake on his part. But if if he said that uh, the you know the Clay County got a call from the Chiefs or from the Royals rather saying that this is what they were recommitting to. I want to know when they committed to that in the first place. And who's not telling the truth? Yeah. Because that's really what it feels like. Somebody's not, for public, for PR purposes, somebody's not telling the truth. Right. And to your point about Manny Abarca, I mean, first of all, he's the only one that's really saying anything of of substance out of any of this. And, you know, he's... he seems as confused as anybody by this and wants to know they've been asking for more transparency from the Royals on this for a long time and they haven't gotten any, but you figure that as soon as they said Jackson County, then it was clear where they were going to go. And now it isn't. We'll see what comes out of this meeting today. I don't, um, I, I, I say you're speechless. I don't even know what to think about this anymore. No. We'll know for sure when it's time to decide what's going on the ballot. And, and until then, we really have no idea. Right. And, and as far as today, obviously, they're going to have to sort all of the, the weekend's action out. And they're going to have to start working on ballot language. If they have a deadline of 15 days from now, that's not a long time to be able to write something and, and have it cohesive enough to put on a ballot. So uh, I wish them luck. I hope they get it done. Hold on, I'm looking to see, um, I'm going to see if I can do this and talk at the same time, just to look and see what the agenda, yeah, here it is for today. This is today. So the meeting is at 3 p.m. is the full legislature. I just, let me see and just see what the agenda says they're going to do with it. 
Um, oh, it's right at the top. It's the first thing they're going to do. Um, an ordinance submitting to the qualified voters of Jackson County. Yeah, the April 2nd election, 3-8 cent sales tax. Um, and a couple other things that go along with it. So it's the first thing they'll talk about today. Yeah. Okay. We'll find out. That'll be one. I'm not saying I'm going to be glued to a Jackson County legislature meeting, but this would be one to... <laughs> This would be one to watch. But yeah, the clock is ticking. There's somebody on the text line, and I think you're right about this, said that there was news that came out within the last week or so that the owner of the KC Star Building was was actively recruiting the team to come there and buy it. So, okay. uh, yeah, I don't know what changed because you're right. Earlier this year, it was no way, no sale. We're not doing it. And now things seem to have turned quite a bit. Price is right. Yeah. Potentially, you know, money talks. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see what they end up uh, having come out of this meeting today. Let's go back and talk about Japan Airlines for a moment. Um, we didn't have time to talk about this uh, top of the hour when we were talking about the Mac stuff. But uh, we now know, and this was fast, what compensation Japan Airlines passengers are going to get for that collision with the Coast Guard plane. And for those of you who don't remember this or didn't see the original news on this, this happened when a Japanese airline, a JAL plane, was coming in for a landing. And it hit a plane that was already sitting there on the runway. They're still arguing. It seems that it was the Coast Guard plane's fault, but the Coast Guard plane is arguing, no, we were cleared to go out onto that runway. So they still haven't got that completely sorted. But what happened was, as soon as that, as soon as the two planes hit, a fire started on board the Japanese Airlines plane, and they needed to clear everybody off that plane out of the emergency chutes, which they did. There were some injuries, but none of them was serious. And they got everybody off. The, uh, five of the six people, I think, on board the Coast Guard plane died. But they got everybody off of the JAL flight alive. So the plane itself was destroyed. There was this huge conflagration, and the plane just was rendered to almost nothing on the ground. All you can see is really wings and a tail and a big burn mark. So JAL came out and said, okay, for your personal trauma, if you were one of the people on board that plane, you get 100,000 yen. And we're going to add another 100,000 yen as reimbursement for whatever baggage you had that might have been lost, which sounds great. 200,000 yen until you do the conversion on it and realize that's about $1,300. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's about it. Um, I, oh, so I look at that and go, well, it's not going to end there, probably. I mean, probably there's going to be compensation coming from somewhere else once they determine fault. I don't know how the government's going to work that way, but there's probably more coming. That does feel kind of puny. It's a little when light. You, yeah. When you said trauma, I almost laughed. Here's the $700 you get for your trauma of seeing your plane go up in flames <laughs> yeah. and having to evacuate your airplane. Right. Wow. Um, I'm surprised it's not just on a Japan Airlines credit. They also said that um, pets could not be rescued. Yes. Because they were in the cargo hold. Yeah, I'm surprised we're not hearing something about that, about compensation for the pets. I don't know. You can't put a figure on it, I know. But you can. So give a number for the people that lost their pets. Yeah, and they said the, the good news about that is there were only two of them, uh, two cases in which passengers' pets were kept in the cargo hold and they couldn't be rescued. So um, still for those two, not great. But, uh, yeah, just $1,300. It's $1,384 and change, I think, or something like that. And that's just not a lot of money when you consider what those people went through and what they lost. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for the people that, like, if that's not their home, like, if that was going to be the start of their vacation or something, you know, how does that go? So, um, 
fascinating. And so far yet, we don't know where the investigation sits. We just know that it sounded like the, uh, the Coast Guard pilot didn't have the clearance that he that he acknowledged that he had to just sit there and not go forward, but was told to just kind of sit in that waiting spot. So, all right, coming up, the judge that, it, or excuse me, the suspect who attacked a judge <laughs> during a very wild scene is back before that judge in Las Vegas today. We'll talk about that coming up next on KMBZ. If there were ever to be a conflict of interest or a reason to perhaps get a new judge on a case, it would be the case of the suspect that got mad did a flying leap over the judge's bench and attacked the judge who had sentenced him the first time. Yeah, you would think that, I mean, just in the interest of her own safety, and if you haven't seen that video, wow. I mean, you described it perfectly, Jamie. He came flying over the bench, over the, the desk in front of the judge, flying over it and then landed on her, and she got up as he was being held back by a couple of bailiffs. I mean, it was a crazy scene because there's nobody there to be able to get in the way. And she wasn't expecting it, of course. So now there's going to be another hearing. And I'm astounded they're going to have that judge in there. You think they're going to have that guy in shackles? Jamie? Oh, uh, oh, apparently we yeah, technical difficulties. We will get Jamie back on with us uh, here in just a couple of minutes. But yeah, uh, it's hard to believe, as Jamie said. I mean, a conflict of interest extraordinaire. They said uh, Redden asked for leniency while describing himself as a person who never stops trying to do the right thing, no matter how hard it is. When he didn't get leniency, he proved himself wrong. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm back. Sorry. How how it's like glitch in the snow. How can they put? Are you, what, what kind of restraints do you think they're going to have to put on this guy <laughs> so, so that during that hearing, he doesn't pull the same stunt again? So I don't know what kind of security then you put in that courtroom, but I said this on Friday or the last time we talked about this, restrain him now. Yes. I mean, that's the case in which you, in fact, that's probably a bigger conversation to be had anyway. I don't know what the rules are about in a courtroom like that when you cuff people and when you don't, but that seems like an easy thing to do. I mean, even if his hands are cuffed behind his back, he can still run and leap, I guess, but it's a lot harder. But if you got to take one ankle and, you know, attach him to the chair, if I were her, I'd be asking to be excused out of this case now. Yeah, because I can understand. I mean, when it comes to the restraints, I understand why if you are facing trial that you don't want to do that because you're giving the jury the impression that the guy is guilty by having him in leg irons and all of this stuff. So usually you have to be, you have to misbehave in court for them to take a step like that. And so it doesn't normally happen, but that wasn't what this was. This guy had yeah. already been found guilty. He was in front of the judge for a hearing uh, asking for leniency from the judge. So there was no jury. There was nothing else in there that could have by, you know, there was nobody else in there that could have been biased by his presence. So why not? If you've got a guy who's a violent offender and has already been convicted, make sure he's locked up. Quite frankly, I think it's okay. I assume the jury's probably already heard that because the story made national, if not international news. So they probably already know. Right. And I think it's okay to tell the, for the judge to address the jury and say, we have taken additional security measures here because of previous actions by this suspect against me in this courtroom. It is in no way a reflection of his guilt or innocence. Yep. It is merely to keep me safe so I can do my job. Sure. And so, I mean, for somebody who is uh, you know, on trial, if it had been before the conviction, then 
Yeah, you're, uh, you don't want to do it all the time because you're talking about somebody who at that point is still innocent, has not been proven guilty yet. But uh, if they do, I mean, if they cut up in court, if they decide that, uh, you know, they're going to start being a problem, spitting at the bailiffs or whatever, then, yeah, I have no problem with it either. I'm trying to, I thought this was this morning. This, we haven't heard anything that came out of this, although it's two hours, an hour, hour earlier in Las Vegas. Yes. Two, I can't remember. Um, so he is being held in solitary confinement. Um, while this plays out, uh, he will not have any interactions with other inmates and will eat alone inside his cell with extremely limited outside time while in solitary confinement while this plays out. So we don't even trust him around other inmates. That's encouraging. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think we can all agree that she made the right call when she denied him leniency. Right? I told you so. <laughs> Do you think that's... Yeah. <laughs> did she point at him and go, see? That's, see? This is what I mean. This yeah. is what you just did. That's why I didn't give you leniency, but yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, we go to uh, Harvey is a suburb of Chicago or it's right. It might be right in the city, but it's it's not a, the greatest part of Chicago. Harvey's an area I know pretty well. Um, and you, you have a, a condemned building and they just got a little quick about boarding up the building. Yeah. And it was the city that did it. The city of Harvey or the city of Chicago or whoever went in and they were boarding up this building. As you said, it had been condemned. So they just sent the guys in and they knocked all the door handles off, which you normally do. And then they put the boards up and they're hammering away. And all of a sudden, um, there were some people in the area who noticed after the crew left that there were still people in that building when they boarded it up. Would it be that difficult to go around and knock on the doors and just say, hey? Yeah, just kind of you know? shout down the hallways maybe. Hey, yeah. anybody still in here? No, they didn't do that. And uh, there was one guy who didn't even wake up, which I find astounding. He was a, uh, he was in his 70s. I believe he was 72 years old. Uh-huh. And he, uh, he said, 73, pardon me. He said he was unaware he was being trapped inside. He was asleep. And by the time he woke up, they had broken all the the handles off the screen doors and everything else, and they just put boards up. He said, I'm used to the noise when they're doing some construction, so I just figured they'd been going around putting up boards and everything, so I really didn't pay that much attention. And after a while, I sort of drowned it out. And then, again, when he woke up, there he was, trapped inside the building where he lived. I'm surprised that um, that there wasn't some time between when residents were notified you have to get out yeah and when they're going to condemn the, I and mean, what if they decided to tear it down instead of board up the windows oh yeah right you're you're there asleep in your bedroom and all of a sudden that big uh, that, <laughs> that big ball comes crashing through the wall that's not a good day i mean are you not going to go through and just check and make sure that the building is clear before you before you do it i'm just surprised that residents were still there on the day that they t- condemned the building. Yeah. And in one of these units, it was a mother and her two kids. Right. And they, there were a couple that they went into. They said most of the building had been cleared out, that uh, most of the apartments had been abandoned, but you had at least two cases in there where they weren't. Yeah. The 73-year-old said, just used to construction. Yeah. Just used to the noise. No big deal. Just thought it was that. I'm getting a little close, but you know, <laughs> that's all right. And, and it was up to a community activist who went in and broke the boards down and he just used tools that he happened to have on hand. So he opened the place back up and then went wandering around trying to find out if there was anybody else trapped inside. Deep in the story says Harvey police acknowledge no one was evicted 
prior to the boards going up. <laughs> and property owners boarded up the complex while the officers performed several inspections and wellness checks at the property. Missed one. Um, yeah, some of them just stayed. Just like they were told the building would close in October and they just stayed in the building because they didn't have a place to go. How do you not just walk around and look? I mean, it should be obvious. Even if uh, even if there's nobody there at the time, it should be obvious mm-hmm. that somebody's living there. Right. I mean, you think about like what could have happened. I mean, what if there had been a fire and then those people couldn't get out fast enough? Right. Which is not out of the realm of possibility when you're boarding up a building. It wouldn't take very much with old materials like that for a fire to start. And then mom and her two kids that you didn't know were in there, the windows are boarded up and that's their way out from the fire. Right. Well, and let's talk about the 73-year-old guy who probably is in no shape to be able to get himself out of there anyway and knock the boards off. Right. All right. We'll take a break here. Coming up in the next hour, uh, we don't talk about the Pope very often, but he's making some comments. Pretty major position about surrogacy. Get to that coming up on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 